Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, reporting for ConnectingVets.com. And today we'll take a look behind the scenes at the Afghanistan evacuation and a group of dedicated veterans known simply as Team America. And we'll talk as much as we can about some of the covert operations that helped get our people through the gates of one of the deadliest airports in the world. But we'll start today's show with a discussion about the COVID vaccine and how it's now mandatory for the military. Now, we've all seen the arguments over mask mandates, vaccine requirements, showing somebody your vaccine card, and the rants by many Americans who think vaccine requirements violate their rights. And while most of us veterans will agree that our time in the military was not the place where we got to choose what we wanted, I recently spoke to a couple veterans who made some good points about the COVID vaccines. Dr. Nathan Fisher is a microbiologist, an Army veteran, a former public health emergency officer, and he worked at the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases at Fort Detrick, Maryland, where he worked with both deadly viruses and finding vaccines. Dr. Maggie Felix is a clinical pharmacist, an Army reservist, who worked with the U.S. Army Central Command. And during our call, they both shared some interesting perspective on COVID and the vaccines. Tell me where we are with the military, the COVID vaccine, and is it mandatory and is that a good thing? So uh, where we are is we have one fully approved FDA vaccine. That's the Pfizer vaccine. uh, And another, the Moderna vaccine that has submitted its application to FDA um, and should be approved shortly. Uh, Both um, are proved to be very safe and very efficacious uh, in a huge number, millions of people that have taken these vaccines globally. 
Um, so Secretary of Defense uh, General Austin has issued a memorandum requiring all service members to be vaccinated uh, with an FDA-approved uh, COVID-19 vaccine. So right now, Pfizer is the only one. Uh, I think that's a, a great thing. I fully support the SecDef's initiative in making this vaccine mandatory. I think it will improve readiness uh, and uh, help protect the forces. Okay. Let's turn it over to you, Dr. Maggie Felix. Again, your background is in pharmacology, your former CENTCOM pharmacist and U.S. Army reservist. You had said something kind of surprised me. You said you understood why a service member might be hesitant to take it or you understood where they're coming from when they say, hey, I have my reservations about this. Um, Share with me a little bit about where you were coming from there. So a little bit of background. I am a, you know, doctor of pharmacy, a pharmacist. Uh, Before I joined the army, I had five years in retail, which is CVS Walgreens business. And pharmacists are in the civilian sector. They're on the front lines of this vaccination effort, right? They are the ones leading the vaccination effort. And a lot of what pharmacists do is they're kind of a translator for the medical world, right? You can walk up to any civilian pharmacist in those locations and ask them a medical question. And we're trained to not only um, triage, but translate medical ease to the basic patient to inform them and or recommend when they should go to their physician. So in the Army sector, a lot of what I've done and when work with Nate downrange was not only translating a lot of this scientific information for leadership, but also for the average Joe, right? What, what's important, what they, they want to know. And what we had heard a lot in feedback was some of their concerns. And, and one of the basic one was, I have a choice. A lot of times in the military medically, we don't have a choice, right? They line us up and they give us all our shots before we deploy, they poke and prod us. So rationally, they, they're just saying, I have a choice. I want to take that choice when it was voluntary, right? When it came out, early January, February, and it was in a voluntary status for all three. One of the best things is to recognize the rational thought process for the average Joe. Well, wait a minute. I have a choice. Can I consider that choice? Mm. And that makes sense too, as a prior enlisted myself, I remember being at E4 very vividly on a ship and, and I wasn't given a lot of choices. And when I was given a choice, well, damn it, I was taking it. I want the chicken nuggets. I don't want the hockey puck slider because I know you made that four hours ago and that thing's rock hard. Um, medicine, radically different. And Nate, I'm going to go back to you because you'd said earlier that you fully support the DOD's initiative to make this mandatory. But are we dealing with something that is safe? Are we dealing with this vaccine that in your estimation is a lot like other vaccines or is this something so radically new that the conspiracy theorist in me or the guy with just you know that hedges their bet because i don't always trust uncle sam yeah well i think that uh, maggie makes some good points there um about uh, it, it makes sense that service members would question um, the safety and the efficacy of the vaccine and the fact is that the, there's a huge amount of data uh, that tells us that the, these vaccines, especially the Pfizer, which is now fully approved, uh, is both safe and efficacious. Uh, so the, the direct answer to your question is yes. Yes, it is safe um, in the way that FDA defines safety for vaccines. So you also asked if it's similar um, to other vaccines, and its safety profile is uh, very similar to non-live uh, vaccines, which is the broad category of vaccine that this falls into. 
Um, those types of vaccines don't tend to have a lot of unknown long-term adverse events. Um, if there are adverse events, they tend to be discovered very soon after uh, administration. And so I, I think it's extremely unlikely that there's some unknown um, adverse effect out there that we don't know about as scientists and public health professionals. And so, so then, therefore, my professional opinion is, yes, it is both safe and appropriate for service members. And one more follow-up to that. Uh, we're dealing with a kind of vaccine here called an mRNA vaccine. But as you noted in that last reply, this isn't necessarily new, although its application to COVID-19 might be a new variation of it. This is not a new vaccine of any kind, right? It's a relatively new vaccine delivery technology, I will say. Um, however, new means that we've been working on it for a couple of decades now right? Not like we invented it last week. Um, mm. So it is relatively new in the sense that it is uh, a technology that's been made available in the last couple of decades. Uh, and really, the, the reason why it's only been the last couple of decades actually has to do with how that mRNA is delivered into the, the cell, which is by a nanolipoparticle. Um, but the actual mRNA technology goes back several more decades. So it's, so it's not particularly new um, technology in some respects. It is a non-living vaccine, so it does not stay in the body. We have very good data uh, that tells us that the vaccine itself only stays in the body for um, less than three days after administration. It stays locally to the site of injection, and um, it does not, the mRNA does not integrate into the host DNA or RNA. Uh, so it doesn't change people's genes, nothing like this. So it's a relatively new, but that's still not real brand new uh, and well well understood technology. And only in science could something be worked on for two decades and still be considered relatively new. That's that's an interesting. Yeah, exactly. Thing, it exactly. Definitely doesn't work in the automotive industry, right? Uh, Dr. Felix, share with me a little bit about uh, what we spoke of last week. I, I I wrote down the words Russian roulette, and I just jotted that down because that really stayed with me. Share with me what you meant by that when you said Russian roulette with respect to the risk. So with respect to the risk, as, as Nate said, the science is sound, right? Um, and the vaccine, specifically Pfizer, now has full FDA approval, and we anticipate that Moderna and possibly even Janssen or Johnson & Johnson will follow um, shortly. What I meant by Russian roulette is that there seems to be a lack in risk analysis and risk perception. So when you get the vaccine, yes, as Nate said, most of the long-term side effects, we haven't seen that. Short-term side effects or serious events have come in the short time frame after vaccination. Um, and there's been some misreports, you know, of, of, of the seriousness of those side effects and adverse events. And what we've seen is actually an over-reporting into the vaccine adverse reaction or VAERS system, because everyone's just, they want to be as transparent as possible. So I, I even saw it, you know, in my tenure downrange, if someone had a, a stomach ache and they had the vaccine yesterday, they would report it. We were over-reporting information because we wanted to be so careful and so transparent. And so what we go to Russian roulette is that we know now over the pandemic that COVID causes certain effects. It can cause myocarditis. It can cause blood clots. Um, 
COVID itself does that. So when we talk about side effects of the vaccine, where we're finding that there are some rare, and I say rare because they are very statistically rare, events of myocarditis with mRNA or clots with Janssen, what we find is that even if those side effects occur from the vaccine, they occur at such a low rate or frequency as compared to if you get COVID and then get those same side effects. So both COVID and both the vaccines can cause myocarditis. However, if you get COVID, you're at a five or 10 times likely more to get myocarditis from COVID itself. So you're playing a Russian roulette. You're, you're assessing risk and saying, where, where's the lowest risk? Well, the lowest risk is with the vaccine. It's not with COVID. I know a lot of young Joes are like, hey, I'm healthy, I'm fit. You know, it won't matter. I'll get it. It'll just be cough, cold. I'll be good. But what we're not thinking about is those second and third order effects is what if they do get myocarditis? What if they do get blood clots from COVID? And we know this happens at a higher rate than the vaccines. We also know there's long hauler symptoms coming out, you know, chronic fatigue, um, the myocarditis. There's also there's, there's a lot of conditions coming out that are long hauling. And what that potentiates then is not only okay, I got COVID for the average Joe, but what are the effects then for possibly medical separation um, further down the chain? So when choosing to just say, oh, well, I'll just risk getting COVID, you're playing a game of Russian roulette, not only with your health, but with possibly your military career as well. Side effects of COVID could be a haymaker Mm -hmm. compared to the wrist slap you might get from the very small likelihood that the vaccine has some sort of ill Correct. side effect. Awesome. Um, make this one the lightning round. I'll throw this out to either of you, whichever one cares to answer it. But uh, this has been one of the most reported on vaccines, I think, in the history of vaccines. And along with that, as you'd mentioned, there's an overreporting. There's an overreporting of uh, short-term side effects. Uh, we're certainly starting to look at some of the long-haul type things that people are reporting. But then there's an overreporting of just plain side effects that I don't know what you call these. The magnets, the kitchen magnets on your arm and the fact that this vaccine is localized to your shoulder region and that it has a magnetic field surrounded to it that is going to be tracked or somehow... Uh, you know, give the government the capability to read our mind. <laughs> yeah, that's total garbage. <laughs> so there's, <laughs> it's, there's no magnetic components. Uh, you know, the YouTube videos are um, just shenanigans. Okay. Doc Felix, what explains why a kitchen magnet might stick to somebody's arm? Because I, I saw those videos and Nate, you, you know, you and I know each other outside of journalism a little bit. You know, I'm a relatively, yeah, I'm a man of a relatively sound mind, but I saw those videos and that damn sure did look like that magnet was sticking to somebody's shoulder. So I would defer to Nate on, cause I'd have to go back and look at the package insert, whether there's additives in, you know, that would cause that. But, but here's my concern. Um, The Center for Countering uh, Digital Hate has found that 65% of vaccine misinformation um, is spread by 12 people, 12. Um, And to the concerns of, oh, well, you know, it's got a magnet or it's got a chip in it that's going to follow you. Well, you carry your phone everywhere with you, right? It's got GPS on it. So if if we're really scared about that occurring, we're already carrying devices with us that can be used to do that, unfortunately. (laughs) All right. And you took my next question. Microchips. Okay. Not a microchip anywhere in this virus. No, no no microchips. 
Last one, semi-serious, birth defects. Have there been studies even about this? Do we know about that? Or, or, or again, are we looking down the, uh, you know, the black hole of conspiracy theorists when we talk birth defects related to the mRNA vaccine? Yeah, um, well, definitely. No, I would not put this concern in the realm of conspiracy theories. Um, I think that um, women are are. are sensible when they, when they ask, is this vaccine safe for um, myself and, and the fetus or, or even a newborn, um, if that's the situation, or, or just the ability to become pregnant in the future, right? Um, and the data shows that there is no correlation between vaccination and increased uh, risk to uh, fertility or um, the fetus. So uh, the, the recommendation right now is that pregnant women get vaccinated. And that's on the CDC website. Dr. Felix, any data to support that the vaccine can make one a Democrat or a Republican? Not that I have seen or been reported. Uh, maybe it would equalize us and, and, and uh, solve some of our disparateness that we have going on. <laughs> maybe that would be a welcome side effect, you know, um, but no, no. And I'll leave for either of you my final question, and that is uh, just advice for any of the active troops that are listening. I, I, I have seen a lot of podcasts. I've seen a lot of people I genuinely respect and have just, you know, a real appreciation for their service. But I've also heard them saying things like, well, you need to tell your first sergeant to go to hell, man. Tell him I ain't doing that. Hell no. Um, where do you stand? What kind of good advice can we give our mates still serving? So one of the unfortunate aspects of the situation um, is that there's a huge amount of misinformation and disinformation out there uh, online of different blogs, social media sites. And I, I understand that non-medical folks can have a difficult time swimming through some of that. So um, I definitely uh, understand, you know, the, the emotion uh, behind some of that rhetoric. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, I think that these brothers and sisters in arms are sort of under the uh, influence of misinformation, disinformation campaigns. And ultimately, that really hurts readiness. Um, so, you know, the tr the reality is that COVID-19 presents a risk to self, like Maggie so eloquently described earlier. You know, there's the immediate acute risk of um infection, sickness uh, immediately after infection. And there's also long haul risks that can really derail a uh, military career. In addition to that risk to self, there's also risk to others. Uh, so we don't work alone, you know, uh, private Joe and Jane don't work in isolation. They interact with staff sergeants and lieutenants and majors and colonels and civilians of all sorts of ages and demographics. And in the military, you know, it's our responsibility to think about the whole team and how to protect the whole team and making sure that a subclinical or asymptomatic infection uh, does not spread a lethal disease to those people is, is part of it. So res respect to self, um, or risk to self, risk to others, and then risk to mission um, and get the vaccine. Doc Felix, final thoughts for our fellow grunts. So for our fellow grunts out there, um, Nate hit a lot for the service member. I would actually appeal to our leaders. Um, as a former company commander myself, I know what it's like to sit in front of that brigade commander and brief your metrics, you know, yellow or red. 
uh, and need to answer that box. Now that it is mandatory, it's going to go on a lot of readiness metrics. And would I, what I would caution is appeal to our leaders and how they approach this. Nate hit all the points for why we as service members should get them ourselves. Um, but I've heard a lot from the Joes that, you know, um, it's been a matter of, of just kind of pressuring and not acknowledging and talking about the rational thought processes we're having. So now that it's fully FDA approved, my, my question is, you know, to the Joes is why now? What, what's your hesitation now? Where are your concerns? But leaders have to be very careful in how they approach this. We know from public health laws and ethics that penalizing um, strokes distrust and doesn't improve possibly vaccination rates. So we have to be careful in how we implement this mandatory, um, this effort. So, you know, how are leaders going to implement that? Are they going to reject leave? Are they going to add additional duty? Leaders need to take a very hard, long look at how we're going to make this mandatory, how they're going to implement it, and then follow on to that is if we're going to make it mandatory, we need to make it, make it equitable, which means if Pfizer is the only one right now that's mandatory. And so that's what the Joe's wants. Then that's the med log chain needs to work to have that available at every location. I had a friend who unfortunately wanted the mandatory approval and had to go to three sites in the DC area before he could end up finding the Pfizer vaccine. So again, anticipate that Moderna is going to follow, Janssen's going to follow, but we need to make it equitable and we need to implement it in a way that does not penalize the service member, especially due to availability. We need to work on this with leaders. Um, even if that means like what Nate and I did downrange, you know, Nate did a lot of town halls where he would talk to service members. That's what, that's what I caution. The first aren't saying, just get it, you know, fall in line. That doesn't necessarily work with this generation as well. Reach out to your medical uh, liaisons if they're willing. Talk to the service members rationally. Acknowledge their rational and very real um, thoughts and concerns. And then for the service members now, again, okay, we've got one fully approved. What are your concerns now? Would have liked to have either of you as a company commander because I remember being in the Navy back in the day and I had a lot of things just chosen for me. I do recall standing in my skivvies with about 60 other dudes waiting to just get stuck in the arm before (laughs) the ship made it out of port. I don't even know what they gave me. You know, come to think of it, they took my wisdom teeth so I could be air qualified. And I don't even recall them asking if there was anything wrong with my wisdom teeth. They just took them. They didn't, I didn't even have a choice. So uh, some fascinating thoughts. Again, Army veterans, Dr. Maggie Felix, Dr. Nathan Fisher, always a pleasure to have you both. And uh, come back again and we'll talk more things meds, more things virus, more things vaccinations. Thanks. Always good to be here. Thanks for having us. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Catch every episode of 60 Minutes, America's most watched news magazine show, as a podcast. Hear in-depth investigations across politics, news, and entertainment on your schedule. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. 
This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.